Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the fourth Sunday of Advent, December 18th, 2022, offered at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Greensboro, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, the origin story of Jesus. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you've made it. Throughout the season of Advent, you've heard predictions of the end of the world. You've listened to John the Baptist call us broods of vipers. And now, finally, this morning, we get a Christmas story, though not the one that we are used to hearing. The Gospel of Matthew tells the story of Jesus' birth from the perspective of Joseph, the sort of often forgotten character in this story. There are certainly parts that are familiar to us, right? Mary is engaged but is with child from the Holy Spirit, some questionable circumstances there. But missing from this Christmas story are the details of the actual birth. The nativity, so to speak, happens in a passing explanation towards the end of our reading, and it's just simply said, until she had born a son. Unlike the Gospel of Luke, which records all the details and the words of Mary, in the Gospel of Matthew, the human actors remain silent. Matthew only records the actions of God and the words of the angel spoken to Joseph in a dream. So what are we to make of this Christmas story without a manger or a star or shepherds? Matthew is trying to tell us the origin story of Jesus. His gospel actually begins, verse 1, an account of the genesis of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Our translation, the New Revised Standard Version, sort of hides the word Genesis because in that first verse it translates it as the genealogy of Jesus, right? We think ancestor.com sort of family tree. And what that makes us miss is that at the very beginning of our reading this morning, we also have this word Genesis there again, except this time it's hidden by the fact that we use the word birth. Matthew uses Genesis intentionally because it reminds the reader of the opening words of all of Scripture, right, in the book of Genesis. Because the story, the origin of Jesus for the gospel writer in Matthew is about telling the story of God making a new creation. Matthew's story is not just about the birth of a baby, but is instead about the crescendo of history that has led to this moment, the coming of the Messiah. So, if you were to look at your Bible, so those first 17 verses in Matthew, what you would see is a theologically created family tree. Matthew begins the history with Abraham, the father of Israel, and then lists the generations down to King David, that great king that Israel longed to return. And then from King David, it takes it through the generations up until the Babylonian exile. And then from Babylon, it brings the family history all the way down to Joseph, a carpenter. 
And now here is the problem that Matthew has to solve. When we follow this family tree, it is clear that Joseph is the son of David, the son of Abraham, of which the Messiah was also supposed to be. But the problem is, is that while Joseph is that, he is not the father of Jesus. And so where our gospel reading picks up today, is Matthew trying to overcome that jump between Joseph, son of Abraham, son of David, and Jesus, his son. And so we find Joseph legally engaged to Mary. Practically speaking, this means that they were married. It's just that Mary hadn't moved in yet with Joseph. They had not begun living together as man and wife. But it's during this sort of in-between time, the beginning of their married life together, that Joseph learns that Mary is pregnant. And under the law, the righteous, the correct thing to do was for Joseph to divorce her. And this would often be done publicly. Maybe sort of a form of entertainment. Everybody loves gossip and scandal. But it would be done publicly specifically to shame the woman for engaging in activities that broke her marriage. So under the law, Joseph, a righteous man, is right to divorce her. But he decides that he does not want to do this publicly, that he doesn't want to put her through the shame of a public trial, so he decides to do it quietly. And in that moment, Joseph reveals something about himself, right? Because his plans to dismiss her quietly show a compassion for her that is above and beyond what is required by the law or the ethics of the day. And so when the angel shows up, Joseph already has his mind set on what he's going to do. But as often happens when angels show up, that plan is going to change. And the angel testifies to the work of the Holy Spirit and gives instructions for Joseph to name the child Jesus. And so when he wakes up, he does what the angel told him. He abandons his plans to divorce Mary. They begin living together. And when the baby is born, Joseph does as he was told by God through the angel and names him Jesus. And it is through this act of naming, Joseph giving the baby the name Jesus, that he adopts Jesus as his own son. Which means that Jesus now is adopted into that lineage that began Matthew's gospel. It is this adopted family tree and this miraculous birth that the gospel writer in Matthew identifies as signs that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited deliverer of God's people. The whole story of the people of God pointed to the Messiah's coming, and the writer Matthew declares that the Messiah is now here with Jesus. Now, every good origin story needs to set a mission for the main character. And the gospel writer does just that in this short passage that we have. The angel instructs Joseph to name the child Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then quoting from the prophet Isaiah, the gospel writer explains that he shall also be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
For many waiting for the Messiah at this moment, they envisioned a savior that would regain political power and restore Israel as the kingdom in all of its glory under King David. But Matthew makes it clear that God is doing something different. That the mission of the Messiah was to save us from our sins, both individually and communally. Salvation would not come through a mighty warrior or through a decorated king or a conquering army. Instead, salvation would come with the very presence of God being with us. Jesus, Emmanuel. Matthew's origin story for Jesus focuses on God's action in the incarnation. The genealogy that begins the chapter traces God's work in the world to call and save the people of Israel again and again through unlikely human beings. It is through the action of the Holy Spirit that Mary becomes pregnant, and it's through God's intervention that Joseph is convinced to be more compassionate and to keep Mary as his wife and to take Jesus as his son. Matthew's Christmas, without the familiar and comfortable manger scene, reminds us that Christmas is about God coming to us and God with us. Christmas is about the beginning of the recreation of the world. It challenges us to act beyond our current understanding of righteousness and compassion. It challenges us to give up our expectations of what God should be doing in the world according to us. Matthew's Christmas simply is Jesus, the Savior of the world, is born. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus healed and taught and called disciples and casted out demons and performed miracles and forgave sins. And he died on the cross and was resurrected so that all might be saved. Matthew's Christmas story proclaims boldly that God is with us. And Matthew will end this story with the words of Jesus. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen.